Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. What's up, Coastline? How y'all doing this morning? Everybody doing well? Yeah? Three people are. That's great. Awesome. Everybody else is like, I need to go back to Starbucks. Or Island Roasters. We do Island Roasters around here. Support local business. Don't mind that coffee cup I got there. Hey, uh, real quick, I want to say welcome all the people tuning in online, um, especially this week, because if you're watching... You're actually having to watch it later on. I'm sorry for some reason we had some technical difficulties this morning, and we're not live streaming, but if you watch it later in the week, man, thanks for looking back and checking it out. Um, hope you don't miss it. This is really going to be a great week. I'm excited about it, um, and I know TJ, uh, our tech director, is losing his mind right now and trying hard not to, like, break a computer so that he can get you guys back up and running uh, by next week. I'm sure we'll get it fixed. Um, but, yeah, this morning I'm excited because we're – continuing in, uh, into, uh, we're part four of a series we started a few weeks ago uh, called Devoted. We're pulling this out of the book of Acts as we see uh, after Jesus came to this earth and he, and he ministered and he taught uh, and he, he lived life and he came back, uh, came out of the grave, he sent his disciples up uh, to live out this great mission. The mission was, go tell people about what you saw me do. Go make more disciples. Go baptize them. Uh, also, which real quick, I'm going to stop. Uh, Easter sunrise, or sunrise service, will actually be uh, our first baptism. Uh, I think our second because we did uh, we did do baptisms on January 1st. But this will be our second baptism of the year. So if you've never been baptized or you didn't make the decision for yourself, man, I'd love to talk to you about it. I think it'll be a great opportunity to do it on Easter sun uh, Easter Sunday right after the sunrise service. Uh, if you got questions, I will be at Connect with Coastline uh, over in this corner at the end of service. Would love to talk to you. Uh, more about it. But he sent them on this great mission. And in the book of Acts, it talks about how as they continued to live out this mission, uh, they, they start to develop this relationship with one another. Think, things changed, and they became what would be the early church. And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Now I want you to, I want you to hold on to that part real quick. Devoted themselves to the, the apostles' Teachings As they became fully devoted followers, they, they listened and heard what the apostles taught them. It says, and they, they, they devoted themselves to fellowship and to sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. I don't know about you, I'd be excited to see some signs and wonders in church nowadays. Wouldn't you guys? Anybody? Yeah, definitely. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had, and they sold their property and possessions and shared the money that those, to those that were in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day. They met in home for the Lord's Supper, in their homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the, of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those that were being saved." Uh, last week, I, I, I talked about the importance of community when it came to being a fully devoted follower of Christ. And as, as we continue on that, I want to talk today about the importance or, or the importance to, to, to be aware of judging 
other people around us. And so today I've got a message I've entitled, Judge Not. Look at your neighbor and say, Judge Not. Judge Not. And if your neighbor didn't look at you, I want you to tap them on the shoulder and look at them and say, hey, I'm not letting you get out, with, out of this. Judge Not. Let me pray for us real quick and we're going to jump into it. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for how you've blessed us and how you continue to adjust our lives. God, even, even if we're struggling through a difficult time right now, Lord, I know that you, as, as we allow you, your hand is upon us and steering us and guiding us. I pray that same would be true here this morning. I pray that you would guide me as I communicate. I pray you'd use me. I pray that you would adjust our ears to hear the things that you would want us to hear. God, give us the, 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 the power and the strength to, to push through and, and, and affect the parts of our lives that need to be changed. We thank you so much for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we've said, amen, amen. Is anyone here a visual learner? We got any visual learners? I'm definitely a visual learner. Is anybody here like a book learner? Anybody like you just really a bookworm? Like three people. Good for you, dude. My buddy, my buddy Rick is a book, he is a book learner. That guy will read stuff and just like regurgitate it to me, and I'm happy to have him in, in my life. I am not a book learner. Like I... I did not get good grades in high school or C's make degrees, guys. That's all I'm saying, right? C's make degrees. Good thing I'm not a doctor, right? You don't want the doctor that had made C's in college. But, um, but I'm not a book learner. I am a visual learner. I'm going to tell you right now, if, if you, I love you. Anybody else here love YouTube? I love YouTube. We're trying to stream on YouTube right now. I don't know what YouTube is going on. We'll pray for YouTube later on. But if YouTube ever gets credited as like a college, man, I'm going to have a doctorate. I'm going to tell you right now. Because they're gonna be able to look, you're gonna be able to look through my watch history, and I know about, I know how to clean fish, I know how to build things, I know how to fix my wife's dishwasher, I I know lots of stuff. I I mean, even like even theology stuff. There's a lot of stuff I'm like looking on YouTube, figuring, trying to figure stuff out. Man, I love you. I'm a visual learner. I'm not a book learner. But when it comes to like living in Jesus' time, I feel like I feel like these apostles. These, these disciples that he around, had around him, and, and even the people that were involved in the early church, they had to be visual learners. Because when he sent them out, he didn't send them out with, hey, here's your iPad, or here's your, here's your you know, a New Living Translation Bible. I want you to read this, and then I want you to teach people what it says. He didn't say that, right? New Testament hadn't even been written. He didn't give them these big scrolls and say, hey, here's the Torah. Carry the Torah around with you and tell people what the Torah says. He didn't say that. He, he sent them out, and they taught. They communicated to the people, to the church, to, to the people around them. They taught them what they had heard Jesus say and what they saw Jesus do, right? Like, their, their continued teaching was, was about what they had seen Jesus act out, the way he had lived his life, and the words that he had communicated to them and that, of what that he had taught them, they continued to teach people around them. Later on, we would see that these guys, they would, they would actually write letters and write books and write stories that were based off of what they saw Jesus do. And from one of those, a couple of those books we're going to read here this morning. Uh, I'm going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 7, and I'm also going to be uh, reading uh, later on out of the book of John, chapter 8. If you want to, uh, you can check it out. Also, this is a really quick plug. 
uh, TJ, our tech director, uh, I know sets up every week um, with the Bible app to actually do a live event where if you're interested in reading along with any of the things that, I, that I'm, I'm pulling from my sermon, you can actually go to the Bible app and go to the live events page and find the Coastline one, and you can see all the notes, you can see all the scriptures that we're going to read, and you can even check them out later on the week. If not, if you don't want to pull out your phone, that seems like a whole lot of work. It's all right. I get it. It'll be on the screen here behind me. But Matthew chapter 7, Matthew, who was a tax collector, he communicates about what something he heard Jesus say specifically today. I want to talk about, about judging. But he records Jesus saying this. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Right? Jesus says, do not judge others others. And he says, you will not be judged. Now, can we be honest for a minute? Just, I mean, if this is your first time here at Coastline, I want to apologize now, because if you, like, wanted the prim and proper, like, church where everybody is good and nobody does anything wrong, like, you're in the wrong church. I'm going to tell you, we're just real. We're real people dealing with real issues, serving a real Christ, and letting him help us with our real problems, right? You guys down with that? I, I personally, as a pastor, as a leader of this church, have had a problem in life with judging people. My favorite way to do it is by people watching. Anybody here ever, I mean, I, we're going to confess to some sin. Anybody here ever, you people watch before? I'm going to tell you right, like, living in a beach town, there's <laughs> a whole lot of people watching going on. I'm going to tell you, oh, my goodness, there's some people there's some people at the beach wearing some stuff nobody anywhere should be wearing. Every summer, Captain America shows up, and I should not have to block my kid's eyes from Captain America. Sorry, you can't see this right now. You see all different types of cars. People got that, you know, you've seen the trucks with the Sam Sula lean, right? Where, like, the, it's all up in the, no offense if you're from Sam Sula, right? Judging people. See people wearing stuff. See people saying things that you don't. Man, I did. I was really bad about this uh, during spring break. For uh, what was it last? Was it last week's spring break? I tried to put that out of my mind. That was a tough time in life. But like you see all these teenagers come up and come out of the woodworks and they're doing all these atrocious things. And I felt real old because I was like, when I was a kid, I never did anything, which was a lie because I was terrible as a teenager. But, but as humans, it's easy for us to judge people, right? We might have even judged people like coming to church this morning, right? You saw someone roll up in a nice new car, and you're like, must be nice. I'd like to drive a Dodge Caravan. Someone must be, they've got some serious debt in that thing. I don't, I don't know who's going to debt for a Dodge Caravan, but, I mean, you, you do you. Or you, you saw the whole family come in that, that they all matched each other. <laughs> like, yeah, they got their life together, right? They ain't fooling nobody. We're all laughing because it's true. We all did that. But we also, we also judge people for, like, very real things. Like, we know who's going through separation in their marriage. We see people that... We hear about how they're struggling financially, and we even see on Facebook, like, decisions they're making, and we're like, well, no wonder they're struggling financially. We, we have people in our lives that, that don't show up on time to, to events or to meetings. 
We have people in life that are they're not living up to our expectation. And it's easy when it comes to these specific situations to, to judge the people. We, we, don't, we don't tell them, right, because that's, we, that's the world we live in. The world, we don't live in a world where you go and talk to people about the problems you have anymore. Right now, it's, it's just you just have this silent, this silent judgment. It even, it, it's even gone to, like, the extreme where you have, like, this, this cancel culture thing where, like, if you did something 30 years ago, like, the world will come around, and they're going to judge you, and that you, we're just in life for the, the, as you know it. You're canceled. You're out. As humans, we've turned into this thing where, where we judge one another. We, we've all done it. We're all, we're all unified in this. And when, when I think about it, especially through the light of being a fully devoted follower of Christ, like, that's not what we saw Jesus do. Like, if, if, if to be a Christian, which means to be Christ-like, we're supposed to be like him. Like, he's, he said we're not supposed to judge one another. But he also, he also modeled, modeled it very well. He lived it in example. And so I want to read the story um, of, of, of what the disciples saw and how Jesus acted when it came to his opportunity to judge people. Many of you might have heard this story before. It's in John chapter 8. Verse 1, it says that Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again in the temple, and a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. Maybe it was much like the situation we're in right now, right? It's early in the morning, early-ish in the morning. We all come together. We're listening to maybe what, what Jesus had, or what the Holy Spirit's going to say through me or what's going to say to us as I'm speaking. We're listening, and all of a sudden there's this great distraction, it says, as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Now, I was talking to a, a friend last night about, specifically about this story, and he was telling me about, like, there's, there's so many different scholars that think different things about this. You know, this was, this was uh, to, to read it, it sounds like it was someone that was just caught in sin, which real quick, just so you know, if, if you don't know what adultery is, adultery is uh, having sex outside of marriage. God created sex to be this unifying thing uh, that happens between a, a man and a woman coming together and inside of marriage. It's something that creates a bond that is, is spiritual. It's a connection that's physical. And, and anything outside of that, the law says that this is, this is considered uh, to be, um, I'm having a brain moment. Adultery. Oh, my goodness. You guys, like, smell the smoke coming from, like, he's trying. He's trying hard. Pray for that guy. He considered to be adultery. And so these guys catch this woman in what they consider to be, or what the law says at this time, to be, to be sin. Now, some people immediately think, like, hey, this, you know, this was a wife who was cheating on her husband. The Bible doesn't say that. Some scholars believe that this could have been a woman that, that, that was um, uh, sold into some type of trafficking situation because she didn't have the protection of a husband or whatever, that this is, this is part of, uh, you know, whether it was prostitution or whatever, that this is something that she was involved in. And so these guys, they, they bring her before Jesus, not for the sake of caring for her or caring for the community, but for the sake of tripping up Jesus. And it says, it says they put her in front of the crowd, Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act 
of adultery. The law of Moses says that we're supposed to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Now, now here's the thing. I kind of feel like I got I to gotta tread carefully with this. I mean this respectfully. Does anyone know someone in their life or maybe not in your life, maybe on Facebook, um, who says things on Facebook or comments on people's things on Facebook just to get them going? Anybody? Three people. The rest of you guys are too nice, right? So you call these people trolls, right? And the act that they're doing of like type, you know, what they call it trolling, right? It's this thing of like, I'm going to try to say something. Someone makes a political po- Those are the best, man, political posts. Let me give you, if you don't want people to argue with you on Facebook, just don't make political posts. I don't care where you are politically. Like, if you make a political post, I'm going to watch it because people are going to say it's going to be funny because it's going to be a hard time. People are going to argue about anything. But, but people like, like trolling. Sometimes I kind of feel like when I read what Jesus does in this situation, Jesus is, is kind of trolling a little bit, right? Because you have these real important guys. They've caught someone in the act of sin. And they bring him before him, and they want an answer. Like, is this, what should we do? We, the, the law of Moses says we're supposed to stone her. And rather than Jesus, like, firing back with an answer, Jesus just stoops down and starts writing in the dust. They keep pushing him. They keep demanding for an answer. It says, so he stood up again, and he said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. You, you know, he didn't say, well, according to the law, let me dissect this. Hold on a second. Let me tell you what it meant, what Moses meant at this time. And he, he didn't say that. He went a completely different route. And as he's riding in the sand, he just stands up and says, whoever doesn't have sin, who hasn't sinned, you be the first one. Now, this is a culture that is highly judgmental towards one another. Who he's talking to, the people, the, the Pharisees, the keepers of the Old Testament law, they're very judgmental. Many scholars believe that it's possible Jesus might have been stooped down writing out the Old Testament law in the sand. Some people believe he might have been stooping down actually writing individual people in the crowd's sin in the sand of how they had broken the law. Either way, what happens next is this. It says, when the accusers heard this, say they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Jesus himself, the one that was sinless, the one that had not broken any of the law, the one that was the son of God, that God had given the law, says, I'm, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to condemn you. Go and sin no more. And, and as a visual learner, I can't imagine, like, what this did to the disciples that were around him. Because this was so against what the culture of the day would have called for. 
They say Jesus, the miracle worker. Jesus, the son of God, and, and, and the one that, that could and should be able to, to condemn and to judge. He sees this woman that, that's caught in the act, and he says, that's not, that's not what I'm going to do. That's not what I'm here for. Go and sin no more. So, so if Jesus isn't going to judge, based off of the actions that they saw, like, why, why, why should we do it? You me tell you the reason why we judge people around us? If I can just be honest, the reason why we do it, the reason why I've done it, because it makes me feel better. It makes us feel better and maybe not have to think about what we're going through. The, the things that, that, that we struggle with, that we're fighting with. It's easy to see the person that's rolling up in the new car and say, oh, man, that's, that probably was a dumb mistake. Because it, it, it takes our mind off of thinking about maybe the credit card debt that we have or, or the truck that we financed for 10 years. It's easy to think about and see what, point out the faults of what other people are doing because it means no one can look back and point out our own faults. Either way, Jesus said, hey, that's not... Being a fully devoted follower of Christ, that's not what I was about. That's not what he did. That's contrary to what he did. And not only did the disciples see this, they also heard him teach about it. David, I'm going to mess with you. Or Dave, I'm going to mess with you one more time, dude. Can you go back to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, and then I'll be in order the rest of the time. Matthew 7, 1, Jesus starts out. He says, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. He says, don't do it. Don't judge the people around you. And he goes on in verse 2. He says, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. He says, when it comes to you and judging the people around you, your friends or, or the other believers or the people in your circle group, the people that you even work with, he says, there's a tie into how you judge them and how you will be judged. Now, let's think for a second. How do you all want to be judged? I, I'm going to tell you, mercifully is my, what I vote for, right? I want all the, I want all the like, I don't, I don't want to sit and think through my past and what, how I've messed up and what I've done and what my, I know all my shortcomings. I don't want, I don't want anybody to judge me based off of that stuff. That's stuff I'm trying to work on. If, if that's how we want to be judged, shouldn't, we adjust. And, and say, so, if you're getting offended or you feel like I'm trying to convict you or something, please know, like, I'm part of, I'm a part of this message. I'm preaching to me, too. When it comes to being a fully devoted follower of Christ, part of, part of what we're doing in this judgment thing is we've got to be careful to, because it, we are tied to it as well. Jesus goes on, and for the visual learners, he helps them out, and he says this next. He says, Matthew chapter 7, he says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye? Some of y'all, you've probably been to the beach before when there's a strong wind. You get a piece of sand in your eye? That sucks, right? That's zero fun. Like, you try not to cuss as you're, like, digging in your eyeball is gross. It is not a good time at all. He connects everyone with this. He says, as you see the speck in their eye, he says, when you have a log in your own eye, 
this visualization of, of pointing out other people's faults and this, this small matter that they're dealing with compared to the giant log of a matter that you have that you're dealing with your own self. When I read this, I feel like Jesus is saying, hey, like, what about if we adjusted our thought process a little bit? When it comes to the judging other people, what about if, if there was this twinge or something that happened when, when we were doing it, we thought, you know what, hold on. This is, a, this is a gift. This is an opportunity for me to stop and look in the mirror and see what I got to deal with. I'm going to tell you that's not going to be a fun thing to do at all. No, no one isn't going to enjoy that. But if you want to talk about becoming better in life, if you want to talk about uh, Christ coming in as a fully devoted follower of, of him, uh, allowing him to use you and adjust you to be the person, the man or the woman he's called you to be, man, this is, this is the moment of change being able to happen. Of saying rather than, you know what, I started to judge that person. Is there something about me that I need to be looking in me about, about what I was judging them? He continues on in verse 4. He says, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your own eye when you can't see past the log in your, in your own? And what happens next is, is actually an action. It's something that Jesus is saying, hey, there's, this isn't one of those things where he's just like condemning the people around him as he's teaching them. He's not saying you're doing wrong because you're judging. He says, hey, there's, there's a part that you need to take to allow you to continue to grow. He starts it with getting their attention. He says, if you do this, if you judge someone, when you won't even deal with your own stuff, he starts off the next verse by saying this. He calls them a hypocrite, which is a, it's a, it was a big deal back then. It's still a big deal today. If someone called you a hypocrite, you would be widely offended. But he says, if you do this, he says, you're a hypocrite. And he tells them it takes action. He says, first, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. This is where I'm going to shift gears for a moment. Jesus says we're not supposed to judge. He says if we judge, like, it, it affects how we'll be judged. And then he goes on to say that, that, that when it comes to us seeing that speck, that thing, that twinge of judgment, that we should look inward. But then he says the action is that you should deal with it. That you should be able to go and, and, and deal with what you're dealing with. And everyone just stops there. They think, okay, well, it doesn't mean, it means that I should not even talk to the people that I was originally judging. And I want to tell you, as followers of Christ, as brothers and sisters in Christ, I, I think that's not what he says, because afterwards he says, then you were able to, you were able to deal with a speck. You were able to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. As I talked last week, I think we have a, a connection with one another as the church. We have a responsibility that if we see someone struggling or dealing with something, that we'd come to them and, and help them, not judge them, not tell them what they're doing wrong and walk away without love, but to truly, to truly help. You know, I love, um, this isn't in, in my notes, but... Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it talks about love. It describes love. I've used it many times for, for weddings I've done. 
Everybody thinks it's like the romance chapter of, of the Bible. It talks about love is patient, love is kind. And everyone thinks like Paul's talking about this, this how to develop the perfect romantic marriage. But if you read the context of it, it's, you know, Paul in chapter 12, he's talking to church leadership about how to lead in the church. And in, in chapter 14, he's talking to church leadership about to, how to lead in the church. And somehow people think like, well, he stopped to talk about marriage for one chapter right there. It wasn't the case. He was talking, he was describing what, what love should look like in the church. That it should be patient. It should be kind. It should always hope for the best. And so, and so I think when it comes to defaults that other people are having, that things that they're dealing with, like we have a responsibility to help one another. We do. But it's got to be done through the lens of love. And, and, and if you don't have a relationship with that person, if you don't love that person, do you know what you should say to that person? Not a dang thing. Because if you're going to judge someone that you don't know and you don't love, you need to look at yourself and allow Jesus to come in and start adjusting you. If you love that person, though, if you can do it out of love, not out of just trying to get on them and make yourself feel better because of what they're dealing with, if you can, if you can truly help someone like a brother or a sister would, I think that's part of what we have a responsibility to do. Apostle Paul says this to the church in Galatia. I'm going to end with this. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if any believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path. Gently and humbly. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. I talked about this last week. It says, if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are all are responsible for our own conduct. When I was preparing this message, I, I was convicted myself of the times when it's, I've judged other people. But I was also reminded that when it comes to people in our lives, that we can change. There's none that we actually can. I, I've got a short window of time to affect my children in my life, to help them grow up and to adjust them and to teach them. But there's going to come a day there's, I'm not going to be able to get them to change. The only person that I can truly change is me. And, and so we talk about as, as the church being fully devoted followers of Christ, of living on mission to go out and, co and connect other people that are far from him to him. 
if we want to change the world that we live in, you know how we do it? By changing ourselves. By adjusting us. I want to challenge you as a follower of Christ to, to not just identify. It's easy to say, I'm a Christian. But to be, to be fully devoted, to live on mission, to, to help others that are hurting and lost find him. It might mean there's change that needs to happen to us. And it's, it's not a bad thing. It's not about you being weak. It's not about you being wrong. Jesus himself did not judge the woman caught in sin. He wanted to help her out of it. And it's the same thing that Jesus wants for us. And so today, if, if you feel like there's something that you need to adjust, I want to pray for you that, that you would surrender it to Christ and allow him to come in and, and make some adjustments and make some changes in you. That that might be something that you're healed of or you're able to get out of your life. That today, as, as you surrender it to him, maybe you'll become a better man or better woman. And then my second hope is that as we're followers of him, that, that there would be an adjustment when it comes to us looking at the people that are around us, when it comes to us in, in judging those, the people that are close, the people that, are, that, are, that just live in community with us, maybe people that we don't even go to church with, maybe we work with them. And maybe there would be a softening of our hearts and so that the moment where we go to judge, as we go to point the finger, we look that, that there's a couple fingers pointing back at us. And, and, and we, need to, we need to deal with the log in our own eye before we worry about specks in anybody else's eyes. It's not a, it's not a bad thing to do. So today, with every eye closed, every head bowed, all throughout the room, here in a second, we're going to stand and worship. But before that, I want to give you the opportunity to surrender. If there's something in your life that, that you feel maybe the Holy Spirit's convicted you of, and even in this moment, there's some things that, 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 that you don't want people to know about that you haven't even wanted to address your own self because it makes you feel weak, it makes you feel scared, it makes you feel less of the person that you want to be. I think in this moment is a great opportunity to surrender it to Jesus Christ. Let him have his way in it. And then lastly, as, as we pray this prayer, my hope is that the Holy Spirit would, would use us, that in the moments that we judge, that we would be set free to adjust ourselves and deal with what we're dealing with. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, as your sons and daughters, you know what we're dealing with. You see everything. There's nothing that we're hiding from you. We hide stuff from each other. We try to put on a good face. We try to look our best. But you know where we're short. You know where, we're, where we are weak. God, I pray that in these areas, in these things that we've been holding from you, as we surrender them, I pray that you would come in and that you would strengthen us. That you would use this moment of, of what the world would say is weakness as a touchstone, an opportunity for us to be strengthened beyond what we were, to become better as we admit and we confess and we connect with you. 
pray you would have these things. I pray that you would instill in us something that's better and different than what we've had. Jesus, as your followers, as we take steps to becoming fully devoted, I pray that you would come in and when the, the moment of judgment happens in us, I pray that there would be a twinge, there would be something that readjusts us to think inward and to fix what's wrong with us first. And I pray when it comes to those that are around us that are dealing with situations that your Holy Spirit would lead us when the time comes to step in and to ask the tough questions or come in, step in and offer help, always through the lens of love. I thank you for what you're going to do, for how you're going to change the world we live in as you change us. Have your way. Amen. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.